This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. Hey, movie addicts, welcome to Cinema Fix, your stop for the purest, highest quality movie reviews on the block. I'm Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined today by my fellow dealer, Monica Castillo. Hello, Andrew. Hey, Monica. Performed any open-heart surgery lately? Can't say I have. I just don't have the claws to do it. I'm glad that they don't actually perform open-heart surgery that way. That would be really traumatic. And they knocked out the little x-ray thing that they could, so he could see into his heart, so he was kind of just fishing around there for a while. Yeah. That is the Ugh. worst game of Go Fish. <laughs> I think you mean Operation. I mean that too. Also, that thing was moving. Oh, that was just weird. This is part two of episode number 59 of Cinema Fix, focused on the movie The Wolverine. So if you're looking for part one, you're listening to the wrong file. Go away. We don't want you here. This is not your show. If this is your first time listening to Cinema Fix, basically this is the show on Film Geek Radio devoted to in-depth discussion of mainstream blockbuster films, and each week we release an episode in two parts. The first part is a general spoiler-free discussion, and the second part, which you're listening to right now, is the more in-depth analysis of the film complete with spoilers, and it's designed to be listened to after you've heard part one, or at least after you've seen the movie. Again, this is part two, so if you don't want to be spoiled, Spoiled, stop listening now and go check out part one of our episode on the Wolverine. I'm not going to bother rehashing the plot. I'm just going to assume you've seen the movie. So before we really dive into things, here's a clip. You. Me. Sorry to interrupt. What are you? A chemist. Nihilist. Capitalist. A mutation? A viper? Alright, Monica, where would you like to begin in our discussion of the Wolverine? We can start at the beginning of your notes. <laughs> okay. Characters are good. Characters are nice. Characters make the movie move. Yes. I love it when a movie has actual characters. That is helpful. Otherwise, aren't we just staring at sets and scenery? I really like the opening to this movie because this movie opens with a scene in Japan that really just sets up everything nicely. It sets up Wolverine's character. It sets up the themes of the movie. You've got this really visually impressive opening in Japan where we see the bombing of Nagasaki. So already, from the very beginning, you've got that idea of trauma and maybe even American guilt and, oh, what did we do? What did we have to do? How do we deal with this trauma? And I just really like how that not only sets the plot in motion, it also just really starts to get at some of the main ideas that the movie's going to be exploring. What did you think of the opening? I actually like the opening. It was kind of interesting to see Wolverine through a in a historical story because it's only been through flashbacks that we've seen like, oh, how long he's really been alive. And so this was one of those subplots. And now it's become its own side story. How it's now going to affect him in the future. Something that he did, I don't know, 70 years ago or so? Yeah, it, it, it's really visually impressive and... 
you also have this really cool moment that does sort of push the boundaries of the PG-13 rating, where Wolverine's skin is basically burned off. Mm-hmm. And then comes back. So that was pretty cool. Oh, so that was what was pushing the PG-13? That was another one. Well, it could have been that, plus the uh, the self-surgery scene. There's the self-surgery scene, and then there's the uh, impromptu hanging of the baddie. That just kind of made the entire audience like, ooh, <laughs> like flinch. <laughs> no, I don't think that the hanging would have gotten it an R rating. No, that's true. Not an R rating. But, like, definitely would have been scratched in a note somewhere on the MPAA's list of things. Maybe. But yeah, overall, I really liked how this movie was shot. I liked how it was edited. The bullet train scene is probably the highlight of the film. Yes, that was really creative and actually pretty well shot. Some of the fighting scenes, I've realized because they're trying to shake the cam while there's already movement going on, so you can lose track of who's fighting who. For the bullet scene, because it's going so fast, for the most part, the camera is pretty still on who's moving, because they can't really move that much either, because otherwise they'll get swept away. So I think just the placement, that was a nice still action sequence, if that makes any sense. You can see what was going on at all times. There wasn't any confusion. Yeah, and I was just thinking, okay, how many times have we seen a fight on top of a train? Not a bullet train. (laughs) Yeah, this actually felt pretty fresh. Yeah. With uh, people having to dodge overhangs and at times they're leaping great distances on the train yes just by letting go for an instant so yeah i thought that it was really cool and really well done again it allows them to get away without using a lot of blood because people can either fall off the train or just hit something and you don't always have to have wolverine stabbing them you just cut when they hit the billboard Yeah, so I thought that was a really cool scene. And, you know, everything else in in Japan for those first two thirds, I actually really liked. I like the conspiracy that's built because he's definitely the foreigner in a foreign land and he doesn't know what's going on. He can't tell if there's actually something going on or if it's he just doesn't understand. So like during the funeral scene where he stops somebody because they have their arms all tattooed and clearly they're a Yakuza member, and somebody stops him like, no, that's disrespectful. Right. So those little clashes of culture, I guess, were also kind of interesting for me. Yeah, there's clearly a big conspiracy going on, and even though that kind of falls apart in the last act, for the first two-thirds, I didn't mind the fact that there were so many characters and it seemed like they all had their own motivations, and it was unclear who exactly was pulling the strings. No, that was actually a great feeling. I was like, wow, this movie got serious. Don't underestimate their audience. Yeah, I I thought it worked pretty well. I mean, there were a lot of times where I was confused about like, oh, what's going on? What does this character actually want? I liked how it kept me guessing. Yeah. It never felt, at least for the first two thirds, like the writers were unclear what they were doing. Yeah. I think the last act kind of makes some of that feel a little bit unnecessary. I think there's probably one or two characters they could have cut, honestly, and it it would have been fine. The fiancé character, in particular, really serves no purpose except to deliver 
one little bit of information there at the end. And a hilarious punchline at the end. Right, where, oh, Wolverine does Throw kill him. Throw him off a building. No, he doesn't kill him. Yeah, he doesn't really kill him because there's a pool. And then he's like, I didn't know there was a pool there. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that would still kill him, though. Um, I mean, probably just, like, take the breath out of your lungs or something. They show him swimming in the pool. I know. I'm just saying if that happened in real life, I'm pretty sure he still would have died. You cannot argue logical physics in superhero movies. Just, <laughs> it, it's, like, it's like taking a physicist to one of these movies and just watch him have a seizure. I guess you're right about that. It doesn't that. work. It doesn't work. Well, let's talk about the third act. Because I, I, I don't want to spend the whole episode nitpicking this movie, but... I feel like there are a lot of problems. That third act is just a hot mess. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of the part where I'm like, who's he fighting? Wait, is that Wolverine in the middle? Is that a ninja? Like, I can't. And then, of course, it takes place at night. It got way silly when he had the Jesus moment, by the way. Oh, you would say the Jesus moment? That's when it starts to go off the rails? Yeah. When would it go off the rails for you? Wait, it's a porcupine Jesus. I'm sorry. <laughs> all the arrows in his back. It was a little ridiculous. I would say it started to go off the rails for me a little bit before that. Oh. Like, right after the self-surgery scene. Okay, yeah, that's true. That's the right before, yeah. Right after he fixes himself, some stuff happens, and I was just like, wait, what is going on here? Specifically, well, okay, well, first, let, let's talk about that self-surgery scene. It's pretty intense. <laughs> It's it's pretty intense, but also it relies so heavily on the audience's imagination because it yes. really shows nothing. Yep. I believe there might be one shot of him starting to reach inside himself. Yeah. But other than that... It's just like cuts of his face screaming. Yeah. And arching his back on the table. Here's the thing. I could never quite fully understand what the little bugs on his heart were. Because we saw them at the beginning with Yoshida, and they seemed to be keeping him alive somehow. But then, when they're with Wolverine, they take away his healing powers. And I was just kind of like, well, wait, how, what are these things? How do they work exactly? What do they do? Yeah, and, and also the, the whole thing with Wolverine not being able to heal... The way they set that up is he's having a dream of Jean Grey, mm -hmm. and then that kind of morphs into Viper, played by Svetlana Kachinkova, like injecting him with something or breathing, breathing. something yeah. onto and him. Yeah, that's when he realizes that he's been poisoned. Well, see, I wasn't clear if that was real, if, that, if we were supposed to take that as really happening, or if that was part of this weird dream that he was having, just the way they, they edited it. Yeah, I guess. I, I just assumed that, yeah, something had happened, because I don't think he would have been dreaming about Viper on his own. Well, I was just trying to figure out, okay, if she really poisoned him, why is he not upset? Why is he not going after her? Because he wakes up like right away. Uh, he forgets. He kind of like looks around what's going on. Well, that's what I was trying to figure out. I was trying to think, okay, well, did they edit that way to show us that maybe he isn't sure if it was real and yeah. it's only later that he realizes it was, it was real and he can't heal. Like I understood that part, that part I got in terms of like, oh, he had been drugged and something happened to him. He doesn't know what, he doesn't remember what. So the fact that his healing is affected, he's like, where is this coming from? He doesn't think, oh man, that awkward night when Viper was in my dream could have had something to do with it. 
Right. I, I think the bigger issue is just the character of Viper as a whole and what she was doing. Yeah, she was odd. They just wait so long to explain her role. All we know is that she helped Yoshida and she was his doctor, and then it's kind of implied that maybe she did something to kill him, and it's like, well, who is she working for? Is she the one pulling the strings? Mm-hmm. And they, they just, they wait a little bit too long to reveal the full situation of the conspiracy. I'm kind of okay, though, in terms of just, like, waiting to the very end to have the big reveal. I just think it's handled clumsily. I mean, there's so many other movies that's like, no, actually, I'm the bad guy. I think they needed to reveal that Ishida was behind it all a little bit sooner, just because that whole last act, I was just like, wait, 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 what are we doing here? Is Viper the one in charge? Who's this giant metal dude? Why was this robot created? What is Harada doing here? What is What are his motivations exactly? Because he, he loves the granddaughter. He loves her, but it's really weird. His character is odd. Yeah, I'll give you that. On the end, his character like goes through a magical change within like minutes. It's within seconds. It is literally yeah. from one scene to <laughs> yeah. the next. You blink and all of a sudden he's on the other team. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so let me see if I've got this whole conspiracy correct, Monica. Okay. Yoshida wanted to extract Wolverine's immortality. Yeah, because that's what you do with friends, guys. Yeah, he kind of wanted to trade and be like, well, hey, Wolverine, you kind of want to die. I really want to live, so let's make this happen. Yeah. But Wolverine turned him down, mm-hmm. so his backup plan was to have this big metal suit that keeps him alive and for them to eventually get Wolverine and extract his immortality. However, his son, Shinjin, I think his name is, messed things up by trying to kidnap Mariko. Yeah. And so that kind of throws the whole plan into a loop until all that is taken care of. Why did the grandfather want Mariko kidnapped? I know the grandfather didn't want Mariko kidnapped. I don't think. It was the dad because he wanted to seize control of the company. Yes, the dad wanted to kidnap Marika and kill her. This is what happens when a family affair gets too messy. Right, and this it's because he thought that Yoshida was really dead and Marika was going to end up inheriting the company. So I don't know why Yoshida didn't bring his son in on the conspiracy, probably because he knew his son wouldn't be okay with him living forever. (laughs) I could see that being a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it was just really, really weird. So you have this situation where the father has kidnapped his daughter and is trying to kill her, but then I guess the grandfather doesn't want her to die, so he allows Wolverine to stay with her and protect her until that's taken care of. I do remember in towards the late beginning or so that there is a comment made about how the son does not like mutants and looks down upon him because he also talks down to Yukio. Viper. Well, he talks down to Yukio, yeah, and Viper too. Right. So it's Wolverine is yet another mutant. But Yukio is not a mutant. Yeah, she can foresee people's death. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess you're right. So she's kind of like a little mini phoenix. Yeah. With adorable Harajuku style. Again, that last act, it just gets really, really clunky just because they wait a little bit too long to start revealing what exactly is going on. For example, I'm I'm wondering, okay, 
once Harada and his ninjas come to save Mariko mm-hmm. and Wolverine has done his self-surgery, mm-hmm. why does Harada kidnap Mariko? Is it just to serve as bait to get Wolverine to the base? I mean, why don't they just kidnap Wolverine? I mean, he's got all of his ninjas there. Couldn't he conceivably shoot him with a poison arrow and take him back to the base if Wolverine's the one they really want? You know, I mean, at this yeah. point, Mariko is safe. They've killed Shinjin. Well, it takes face, it takes care of the uh, shipping and handling of uh, Wolverine. <laughs> That's a lot of insurance if he wakes up. Cause, I uh, guess so. He, he will cut a bitch. Which also, <laughs> uh, quick side note. Did anyone else feel weird that they called Viper bitch twice in the PG-13 movie? Oh, man, they are flirting with the R rating in terms of the language here. I th- no, I was just kind of like, it kind of like reminded me of like when the big controversy for, I think it was Arkham Asylum, when they kept calling Harley Quinn a bitch throughout the game. So it was like, oh, really? The like four times she's on screen, two of them, she's called a bitch? That's cool. It wasn't the uh, the bitch that surprised me so much as it was the fact that there are multiple uses of the S-word. And yeah. there is the one, there's the same F-bomb that he used in X-Men First Class. Well, I guess since they got away with it with First Class, they're going to use it again now. <laughs> well, you can always get away with one in a PG-13 yeah. film nowadays. Got to gotta use it wisely. Yeah, it, it's the fact that they used their F-bomb and then they also had all the other language on top of it that surprised me. Yeah. So yeah, they were they were trying to keep it as raw as possible, but I don't think i actually noticed the oh, bitch i was stuff. like really twice we got it she's the bad guy but really i don't know okay so for whatever reason they kidnap mariko again to take her to the base so harada has mariko who apparently now they're gonna marry after not being together for a while so that's taken care of and it also deals with the fact that now wolverine takes himself over there out of his own volition right but here's the thing. He was with Yukio. Yes. When he did his self-surgery thing. Yeah. And then she disappears. Yeah, I don't know why they, they did tag team on that. There are several points in this movie where Yukio just vanishes for large chunks of the film. And then pops up later on. Hey! Yes. She's, she pops up whenever the script needs her to. And I was yeah. just like, wait... You'd think Yukio could maybe be a big help when you're trying to sneak into this big base. Late again, Yukio. <laughs> <laughs> Was he just, like, in a hurry and couldn't wait for her? Yeah, and just, like, hopped on a motorcycle. Yeah, that that's really nice of you there, Wolverine. I'm sure she could have ride, you know, not shotgun, but, you know, behind him. So then she just has to show up at the end to take down Viper. Yeah, do we see how she shows up? She just kind of like ends up sneaking around the fence before breaking into it. Yeah, she just kind of she's just kind of there. She just shows up. Okay, so then when Wolverine's finally when he's going to the base, okay, they have this scene that's it's admittedly pretty cool where all the ninjas are shooting him and he has his porcupine Jesus moment, as you put it. Porcupine Jesus. I was trying to figure out, like, were they trying to go for, like, a parallel with the bear that had yes. appeared earlier in the movie? Where yes. the bear was shot with a poison arrow, so now Wolverine is shot with a poison arrow. The only difference is that now he's not going to let them put him out of his misery. I don't know what that parallel was for, but I remember laughing aloud to it. 
It was kind of like, oh, really? A poison arrow. Hmm, where have I seen that before? Oh, yeah. Well, it was just weird because, again, they never really explain... I mean, the bear at the beginning kind of doesn't serve any other purpose rather than a reason for Wolverine to get in a fight because he's sworn out fighting, and then all of a sudden, man, you, you messed with nature. You messed with the wrong guy. I love the bear scene at the beginning, okay? I really dug that. I really loved how the movie was just like, hang on, let's just take some time. Let's follow Wolverine in the woods. He's going to walk around. He's going to meet a bear. They're going to be cool with each other. And then later on, the bear's going to die, and Wolverine's going to get pissed about it. (laughs) Yeah, like, I was totally fine with that. I thought that was really, really cool. I thought it was nice that a superhero movie would take the time to start building these layers to his character where you can get the sense he's got a softer side he does have a softer side but to a certain extent he he can relate to the the wild animal mm-hmm. and he doesn't like it when life is taken unjustly or when there's unnecessary suffering involved so i i, I kind of like that it is a parallel for him for jean gray because he had to put Jean Grey out of her misery, so he had to put the bear out of its misery. Yes, Jean Grey was poisoned. So it was all of those feels again. I actually like how they're they're really hammering home this idea of Wolverine as a traumatized individual. The entire movie, he's poisoned, he's unable to heal. Hmm, I wonder if, could that be a metaphor? You know, he, <laughs> he has to literally heal his heart. You know, he, he lost this woman that he loved and so he has to literally go in and 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 heal his broken heart yeah so i I actually liked all that stuff i thought it worked really well i think if they were gonna draw a parallel with the bear i think they could have done it a little bit i I think they could have gone a little bit further with it Mm. honestly i think it would have been interesting if there had been a moment where wolverine was pretty much incapacitated and people had to decide whether or not they were going to try to Put him down, <laughs> so to speak. Oh, Jesus. It's a little harder for people, okay? <laughs> There's insurance involved, paperwork. Well, I don't think it would have been that difficult. What is it, death panels? <laughs> really, the big problem is just this metal man, Silver Samurai, that they yes. throw in. Like, if they had had, if they had just framed it differently, where maybe Wolverine is poisoned, he's on the ground, he's outstretched, he can't move like the bear, and then you have this guy that's going to try and take his healing powers away and kill him. Wolverine is declawed. It's a terrible thing. You can see how painful it is. <laughs> and then his his powers are taken. Okay, let's talk about the Silver Samurai stuff. Wolverine gets to the base, he's poisoned, and once again, I'm just wondering, okay, what's the poison? Are they not going to kill him now? What's going on? And they they get him into this chair where he can't move. And you'll have to correct me, Monica. Does Viper actually say, we are going to extract your healing abilities? No, I don't think, I don't recall her saying that. Because if she does, I totally missed it. I don't recall. All I knew was that suddenly Wolverine's incapacitated. Mm-hmm. And then there's this giant metal dude yeah. made of adamantium who we've never seen before, 
and it's like, okay, I assume he's a robot or something. That I wish was alluded to at some point before all of a sudden, hey, who ha- brought the Gundam in? Right, and, and then all they do is chop off his claws, and I was just thinking, wait, 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 what's going on? Do you not want to kill him? Like, you, you haven't said what your plan is and what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. I was just really, really confused like who's this metal guy why are they cutting off his claws what's going on and this is at the same time you have everything with mariko and harada which is just really weird yeah that editing is like odd well not editing it's just the placement of the storylines it's kind of like there's two different really different things happening here so harada is all about protecting mariko who they're apparently former former lovers Teenage sweethearts. Teenage sweethearts. He's all about protecting her. So we had that big action scene at the beginning where he's shooting all of her kidnappers. Yeah. Okay. But then later, he kidnaps her himself for Viper and, as it turns out, Yoshida. So I was just, I, it just, it got confusing because I was like, wait, Harada, why did you kidnap her this time when you were trying to stop her from being kidnapped before? And it it just all goes back to the fact that Shinjin was acting on his own outside of Yoshida's wishes. And so Shinjin's kidnapping was bad, but Yoshida's kidnapping is somehow good. And yeah. they, it, it just, it's really, really clunky. And he's kind of like, hey, Mariko, we can be together forever now. This will be great. You got to trust Viper. She knows what she's doing. And then literally the next scene after Mariko saves Wolverine, Harada turns around and is shooting Viper with his arrows. And I was like, wait, you just said that you were on Viper's side. What happened? Yeah. I uh, I don't know. Somehow that was the quickest change of character I think I've seen in a long time. Yeah. It was magical. <laughs> He's just like, oh, I guess you convinced me, Mariko. So much for that samurai loyalty, or ninja loyalty. Oh, man, it was just so awkward. Also, the fact that she's like, no, I want to save Logan, who she was just, like, sleeping with. So that's, like, that's with your ex, who now wants to be your husband, and that's the guy that you were hooking up with. That's not awkward at all. <laughs> yeah. Please save the guy I'm sleeping with. <laughs> and then they finally reveal that Yoshida is inside the uh, Silver Samurai costume. Yeah. Which is a reveal I actually like. I did like it, yeah. On a, on a story level. Mm-hmm. Because it just, again, it goes back to that opening scene where, from the very beginning, Yoshida does not want an honorable death. He's kind of a coward. Yeah. He will do whatever he can he can to survive. So I like how they, they stay true to his character, and that's kind of like the defining core of his character is that he just, he will do anything to survive. The problem is they wait so long to reveal it that it was just confusing trying to figure out what's the plan, what are they trying to do, and it, it was only after the movie that I was able to finally think back through it and piece together, okay, this person was trying to do this, but then this person was trying to do that, which got in the way of this, yes, and yeah. it, it, it it was only after the fact that I was able to finally put it all together. 
So I like the idea. It's just the execution was really lacking. Yeah, I guess I, it also doesn't help that we don't meet the Silver Samurai up until like 10 minutes before the movie ends. <laughs> right. And But see, again, I don't think I would have a problem with that necessarily if they revealed right away, this is Yoshida, he's in here, this is his backup plan. I don't even want Yoshida revealed up until the very end. That would have been cool. The thing is, is that all of a sudden we have this new bad guy introduced, like, right before we walk out of the movie theater. It's kind of like, okay... I almost didn't care, like, who was in charge anymore. Well, see, I don't think that would necessarily be a problem because, again, it's Yoshida, so he's not new. I think if they they established, as soon as they show Silver Samurai, if they said, hey, this is Yoshida, I'm in here, this is keeping me alive, and I'm now going to extract your healing powers, I think I'd be fine with that. I think it'd be like, okay, I know who you are, I know what your motivation is, let's cue this final fight scene. Instead of just being like, what's happening? Why is everyone fighting? What are they trying to do? (laughs) Who's on what team? We need flags. Yeah, yeah. Who's this big metal guy? I like the Yoshida surprise at the end. Uh, I mean, it still would have been a surprise. No, because then you would have known who it was in there. Well, yeah, and I think that would add more weight to it. Like, you'd actually know this isn't some weird robot thing there's actually a person in there and he has a clear goal of what he's trying to achieve that robot was kind of hard to kill <laughs> it took him a long time where i was like just cut in the middle cut in the middle would have solved all problems <laughs> okay well well they say it's a suit made of adamantium yeah so supposedly even if he had his claws it might be difficult for wolverine to cut into it that's true but he's able to cut through other things. I think adamantium can cut through other adamantium. Adamantium, yeah. It's the only other substance that can. But it probably depends on the sh- strength behind it. I would imagine it would be much easier for Silver Samurai to cut off Wolverine's claws than it would be for Wolverine to actually cut through Silver Samurai. Maybe. Just because that's a lot of a- adamantium that is. <laughs> to cut through. An awful lot of animantium. For such a rare substance, it keeps cropping up a lot. It's kind of like kryptonite. It's just like, oh, I thought the planet was destroyed, but we keep finding it everywhere. (laughs) But so, yeah, I I really think if they had just given that reveal a little bit earlier, where it was suddenly like, okay, I know who this guy is. I know he's the guy behind it all. I now know that Viper's working for him. I now know that Harada is working with Viper because he's loyal to Yoshida. It it all makes sense now. I I just think if they had positioned that reveal a few minutes earlier, I think it would have fixed a lot of the confusion, at least in regards to the conspiracy. Not necessarily in regards to why Harada suddenly switches sides, (laughs) but but in regards to what the overall plan is and what what their goal was. Because as it stands, I was just confused. Like, wait, why are you cutting off his claws? Are you a robot? What's happening? Why not cut off his claws? It was really traumatic. Yeah, and and they never really explain, like, how drilling into his body... It's his bone marrow. Is that what it is? It's in his bones? Yeah, it's his... The the really dark red thing in the middle of your bone, it's marrow. Well, right, but is that is that the source of his healing? It's supposed... Okay, so this is a little bit more medical, but... So I understood it as the bone marrow. Whenever you do, like, a transfu- like a bone marrow transfusion, you have to go get into the bone and extract the marrow from there, and then that's how you can, you know... That's what they use for people with cancer who need to develop new cells and new things like that. So that's... 
essentially what they're saying with that is that his healing power is in the marrow. Okay. I wasn't sure, like, is it that they're sucking the blood out of him and, like, the blood is what's going to have the healing powers? It's the marrow, stupid. (laughs) marrow, okay. You had to have had at least college-level biology to understand this movie. (laughs) I've had college-level biology, and I just didn't understand that they were going for the marrow. I was just like, they're drilling into his... They're drilling into his hand, so they're getting something from his bones or his blood. That, or we just don't understand the uh, biology and anatomy of mutants, so that it could be something totally different. Well, I mean, this to be fair, this movie does rely on you just having to suspend your disbelief. Yeah, just accept it. I guess his healing power is in the marrow. That's cool. There's a poison that'll stop him from healing. Oh, just trust us. They'll they'll do something with the suit, and that'll keep Yoshida alive and grant him his healing abilities. It, it, yeah, it, it does rely on the audience having to suspend their disbelief a lot. Which, again, I would probably be okay with if it was better executed. Yeah. Okay, I want to bring up another thing. Bone claws. Bone claws. Do you like bone claws? I do not like bone claws. They were kind of creepy. I hate bone claws. Not because they're creepy. Bone is not animantium. It is a little harder to cut with bone than it is with animantium. Fact. <laughs> well, here's here's the thing. I mean, they appeared in X-Men Origins Wolverine at the very beginning. I had completely forgotten about them, though. I, I will say this. I like how this movie acknowledges he has bone claws in the opening scene. Mm-hmm. Where we see him using his bone claws and it just reminds the audience, oh yeah, he has those. Because I had forgotten. Yeah. I just don't like them as an idea because I feel like as a mutant, Wolverine should have one power, his healing abilities. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> you don't get to have two powers. Well, that was the whole thing of Wolverine is that he heals and then he has the claws. I mean, that's been his character for a long, long time. So Jean Grey can float and explode people. I don't think that originally in the comics he had bone claws, though. I think they kind of added that later. And I just, I don't like that as an idea. I kind of feel like if you're a mutant, unless you're like some super crazy powerful mutant, like the Phoenix or whatever, you have one power. You can heal or you have bone claws. Pick one. You don't get both. It was just really weird. And also, I was trying to remember, okay... So, they lined his skeleton with adamantium. So, his bone claws are just... Excuse me. So, his his adamantium claws are just the bone claws with adamantium around them? Are, are they, like, the same actual things? They've been welded to his skeleton. Okay, so it's not like it's not it's not like he has two sets of claws, adamantium claws, and then the bone claws are the backup. No, he mm, he had the bone claws originally, and the adamantium was fused to his bones. That's why, you know, when he goes through the metal detector at the end of the movie, where it's kind of like a joke, like oh, he's gonna set off, and he makes a joke. It's a hip replacement, right? That's because his whole body, is his like entire body, has been fused with this metal. Okay, so so. At the end, I was just trying to figure out, he has his adamantium claws chopped off. So you're saying that it's not that the bone claws are like a backup, it's that they're the same claws, but his healing abilities allowed the bone to regenerate after the adamant- after they were chopped off when the Silver Samurai chopped off his adamantium claws. Yeah, I mean, that's the, he was naturally able to reproduce the claws. Okay, I got it. Because I was confused for a second. I was like, oh yeah, the bone claws. Were those always there in his 
hand as a backup or what happened there? So, so you're saying that, that he got the bone claws in this case because they regenerated? Yes. Okay. That makes sense. It, it, no, it makes sense. I'm just not a fan of the bone claws. Yeah. What did you think of the end when Mariko's the one that kills Yoshida? Well, that was good because she was pretty useless up until that point. She wasn't useless. Thank goodness for Yukio, because otherwise I would have been like, damn, Dantel in distress. She was helping Wolverine deal with his issues. Ah, that's like, is that a borderline manic pixie dream girl thing? No, she's good with a sword. She, We see her, like, fighting a few henchmen at times. At times. She can handle herself. She still gets kidnapped. I don't know. I, I liked her overall. I mean, she was okay, but Yukio is definitely much more of the badass. I kind of wanted her conversation with Yoshida at the end to last a little longer. I kind of wanted her to have a have a little bit of a longer scene where she kind of dealt with the realization, oh my god, the grandfa- my grandfather, this guy who I love, is really evil, and now I have to make the decision to kill him. Like a longer decision time? You didn't want a magical, like, split-second decision <laughs> on their character? Yeah. Like, it's- like ah, no, I'm just gonna end this right now. Because, <laughs> I mean, you, you have to think, that that would be an interesting choice. Like, oh, the grandfather I love is still alive, which is really cool, but he's trying to kill this new guy that I'm in love with. Who do I choose? I mean, you'd think that that would last more than a split second, but she doesn't really seem to have a problem with just picking up Wolverine's claws and then slashing her grandfather. Again, it's like a, it's a, it's a split second character, character change. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, I can see how Harada, you know, there's that scene before he suddenly changed his sides where he's like, hey, you gotta trust me. This is for the for the best of the family or whatever. Yeah. Again, I'm just imagining if they had made that reveal that it was Yoshida inside the Silver Samurai sooner, not only would that have made the conspiracy easier to understand, it also would have added more internal conflict to Mariko where she has to realize, oh, I guess maybe Harada's right. This is my grandfather. I love my grandfather. But then you wouldn't have the twist at the end. It's still a twist. It's still a twist to discover, oh, Yashida's behind it all. But it's earlier. It's not like- It is one fight scene earlier. And I, I, I honestly think that it not only does it make the narrative a little bit more coherent, mm-hmm. it also would allow the character of Mariko a, some, a little bit more inner conflict, you know, because as it stands, yeah. she just gets kidnapped and then she's kind of out of commission until the end when she's just kind of like, oh, okay, I guess I'll kill my grandfather. No big deal. Again, I've, I always felt like her character was mostly out of commission for most of the movie. She does a really crappy job sort of defending herself during the funeral scene. When they have to defend themselves on the train, she's obviously just sitting there and Wolverine has to do all the protecting. So it's kind of like, uh, okay. Yeah, I, I used to think that, was, that would have been an opportunity to try to give her a little bit more internal conflict. But it just seemed like that third act is all just about fight, fight, fight. fight Forget fight, the yeah. story stuff and the conspiracy. Get to the fight. We're done with story time. Yeah. And to be fair, there is a large chunk of this movie where there's not a whole lot of action, where it's kind of a date movie, where Wolverine <laughs> and Mariko are off in the woods getting to know each other. And I was surprised how well that worked for me. I liked it, though. It, it is kind of like he is the Edward Cullen of the movie, because 
God knows how old he is. And it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to try this again. <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't know. I bought it. You know, he, he's... He's not as creepy. He's not watching her sleep. <laughs> he's also not shining. I think it worked for me because unlike Edward Cullen... He actually has a lifetime's worth of trauma he's trying to deal with. Yeah, he is. He is a little brooding. <laughs> he's he's a little brooding, but I I don't feel like he's just this horny old man looking for some hot young thing. <laughs> you know, he's, <laughs> he's he doesn't expect to fall in love with her. He just kind of does. Does and it, nobody expects to fall in love. <laughs> and it helps him deal with his trauma. And overall, I I liked it. I was willing to go with it. And you've got scenes of them just hanging out, and he's chopping wood and taking his shirt off and doing manly things while he and Mariko get to know each other. And uh, overall, it worked for me. But then at the end, he's just kind of like, gotta go. <laughs> oh, yeah, at the end when he's getting on the plane? Yeah. I was like, we'll always have Japan. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I'm a soldier. This is what I have to do. Yes. Whoa. I'm like, okay, I could, I could kind of that was, get behind that. Was that was not the uh, thing that was going on with him when Xavier recruited him because he was like, I work alone. Yeah. It was very much his own selfish mentality. And then all of a sudden, no, I must fight for honor. I hope that if they continue to make X-Men movies, I hope they do not just ignore Mariko, though, because... I feel like this is now, this is one of the more substantial instances of character development we've seen in the X-Men movies, Mm -hmm. where we just spent a whole movie with Wolverine learning to forgive himself and get over Jean Grey and fall in love with Mariko. I feel like that's important, and it's going to really sit poorly with me if we go two or three more X-Men movies and she's never mentioned again. Well, prepare yourself, because, you know, continuity is not always the strongest point. I think that would reflect more poorly on Wolverine's character, the fact that... Love him and leave him. (laughs) Yeah, he's just this old guy that loves him and leaves him. (laughs) Until he accidentally kind of sort of must kill them. (laughs) Okay, well, if there's not anything else you want to say about the film, do you want to talk about the mid-credits scene? Mid-credits? End credits. Middle of the end credits. Middle of the end credits, yeah. I kind of mentioned it, sort of. Also, that was mind-blowingly good, because it got me really excited. (laughs) Yeah, it's actually a a pretty good scene. It is a good hype moment. It's long. It it lasts a couple minutes. Yeah. Which is nice, where it's just Wolverine in the airport, and then he meets Magneto and Professor X, and apparently they're now going to work together to stop some greater enemy. Yes. Politics. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. Uh, my friend did point out, I don't know if it was at the at the airport, somewhere he passed by a television that had the Trask logo on it, and that's where the Sentinels come in. Okay, I, I figured that was probably important, but I, I forgot to come home and research who Trask is. I was fortunate enough to sit next to a friend who knows these things. Okay. Off the top of his head. It's also been, like, maybe a good decade and a half since I've seen the X-Men cartoon series or so. Because I definitely grew up on that, and that's where I know Sentinels from. I did not grow up watching the X-Men cartoons, so I really don't know much about it. But... Okay. Well, then you'll be pleasantly surprised. I've heard of the Sentinels. I don't know what they are, but everything I've heard suggests that they're pretty cool. They are pretty cool. Yeah, overall, it was a pretty good end credit scene, and it kind of helped to wash the sour taste out of my mouth that 
that that last that. yeah <laughs> got me excited for the next x-men movie way to go yeah it was like oh yeah we're not just gonna end the series on this kind of bad note there's more to come all right Mm-hmm. There's more McAvoy Fassbender to be had. Yes. And more Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen. Yes. Which is what really matters to me. This is true. I just like the somehow Michael Fassbender grows up to be Ian McKellen. Yeah. <laughs> somehow James McAvoy grows up to be Patrick Stewart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Sure. Do you think maybe in the new movie they'll the old selves will meet the younger selves? I hope there is time travel because I will be all over that. And then the younger selves will just kind of be like, "Wait, I turned into you? Really? What? Wait, it would be really awkward when they meet some of the younger X Men and they're like no longer in the series. Like, where the hell did Beast go? And all of a sudden it's like, oh man, that's awkward. Uh, <laughs> well, you kind of died in a fight or something. <laughs> I hope you're okay with that. <laughs> did Beast die? No, he did one? He did not die. But he, I mean, we haven't seen or heard of him since. I mean, not <laughs> really that. I don't know. Who else would have kind of maybe disappeared? There's that fireball guy. And Mystique is around, supposedly, right? Yeah. And then there's like the Iceman guy and Colossus. The guy with the red X on his chest or whatever, who's kind of like the precursor to Scott, Cyclops. I don't know who you're talking about. Okay, well, he was able to, like, shoot, like, this big red slash or whatever, light, and it was kind of the same exact thing that Cyclops... Are you talking about in First Class? First Class, yeah. Okay, yeah, I think I remember that. Because it was kind of weird. I think they gave him the name and the comic books of his brother, but technically he could almost be his dad in the timeline of 60s to early 2000s yeah comic books are funky that way do you have anything else you'd like to say about james mangold's the wolverine no i'm good it was interesting i still wish aronofsky had directed it oh my god i wish aronofsky directed everything i know you aronofsky fan club there all right let's move on to our final segment of the show Reboot this. Oh, man. This is the part of the show where we pitch either a prequel, sequel, or remake to the movie we just discussed because Hollywood's all about franchises and getting everything they can out of a property. We already know there's going to be a sequel to this. The X-Men series could potentially continue for long into the future. But, Monica, if you were suddenly put in charge of this series and uh, imagine that you had no idea Days of Future Past was about to happen, if after Wolverine comes out, the studio approached you and said, hey, what do you think we should do with this franchise? What would you do? Would you do a prequel, sequel, or remake, and what would it look like? I would do another sequel, and I kind of like the idea of Wolverine, James Bond, globetrotting just around and finding these random mutant conspiracies or whatnot. And solving the world's problems all over the world while traveling. So it could be like Anthony Bourdain, like snark and cynicism with uh, mutant powers. So you're saying after the events of this movie, he doesn't go back to Professor X? No, we got some time. We got some time. We could keep going. Let's keep traveling. Him and Yukio off on adventures. Okay. Yeah, it could be its own primetime series. I like that. I think I would do something similar, except instead of a sequel, I would do a prequel where it would be like younger Wolverine 
during like Civil War time or some point in the past where he finds an adventure or some conflict to get involved in. I think that would be interesting. Directed by Aronofsky. I just realized that he and Hugh Jackman worked together for The Fountain. Yes. Ah, uh, your favorite movie. <laughs> it's one of my favorite films. And I'm pretty sure that that's why Jackman was originally so excited about working with Aronofsky on The Wolverine. I think Hugh Jackman actually may have been... I think I read that he was a major influence on the studios in originally getting Aronofsky to sign on or to get him hired. Yeah. Um, because he, I guess he really liked working with, with him. But yeah, I think that's a good idea. And Aronofsky directed prequel. <laughs> yes, you're welcome. <laughs> that would be interesting because I, I don't remember enough about X-Men Origins Wolverine. How much did they actually spend with, like, younger Wolverine? Because I know we see Wolverine as a kid, but the way his healing powers work... Is it that he aged up to a certain point and then stopped aging, or is it that he just ages super, super, super slowly? I'm not quite sure. A Wolverine prequel would be interesting because we'd either have to get a new actor to play, like, teenage Wolverine, (laughs) or you'd have to just put some makeup on Well, that would be, like, some some really early early Wolverine because like he even appears in first class as Hugh Jackman so he's already old by the 60s and like obviously in the f- nine now in uh 45 in Nagasaki World War Two, he still looks like Hugh Jackman well right so that has to be like some historical like conquistador time we're gonna just put <laughs> Hugh Jackman conquistador outfit again he'll be Wolverine <laughs> well, no, well no because he, he's not that old though because He's, he's maybe like 200 years old or 300 years old, I want to say, yeah. because I'm looking on Wikipedia now. When he's a young boy at the beginning of X-Men Origins Wolverine, it, that's 1845. Yeah. So between 1845 and, what was it, 1945 yeah. when Nagasaki was nuked? So over 100 years, he aged, like, let's say 20 years or 25 years yeah so yeah that would suggest that he either ages more slowly or is it that like i said earlier he just ages up to a certain point normally and then stops they they've never really clarified that in the films as far as i'm aware so if there was a prequel you'd either have to get hugh jackman in makeup which could be done quite easily yeah or you'd have to get an a brand new actor, which would also be interesting. I'm sure fans would be in an uproar. <laughs> also, I'm, I'm reading this again, and it's just like reminding me how angry this film made me. They ruined the character of Gambit by giving it to Taylor Kitsch, clearly, because he's never going to play it again. <laughs> you mean X-Men Origins? Uh, yeah. Oh, I had totally forgotten Taylor Kitsch played <laughs> It's like, damn it, now we'll never see Gambit again. (laughs) Will I Am was in that movie. You remember that? Yeah, yeah, I remember. So was uh, Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. Yeah, Deadpool. And Dominic Monaghan as Chris Bradley. Yeah. Who I don't remember at all. Nope. Maybe that should be my reboot this. Just a remake of X-Men Origins Wolverine. Let's just do it over. Let's redo the origin stuff. Let's do some let's do some more stuff with younger Wolverine up until the point where he decides to go into the Weapon X program or whatever and have the ant adamantium stuff. Yeah. Because again, I don't like the idea of bone claws, but if you're if you gotta have them, 
let's see some more with the bone claws. Let's let's do something with the bone claws to win me over. Okay, yeah. show me how the bone claws could be cool. So that's what I would do with the, if I was given the franchise. Fair. That'll wrap it up for this episode of Cinema Fix. Don't forget to tune in next week when we will be discussing Two Guns. That's the sequel to Guns, right? Uh, no, it is not a sequel. But there will be two critics talking about two guns. Okay. Because one gun was just too sad. <laughs> it ain't a party until there's two. I'll review Denzel. You can review Marky Mark. Or do you want to switch? Marky Mark? Are you giving me Marky Mark because I'm in Boston? I think that's well, yeah, okay. Yeah, but, but I will happily take Marky Mark. I mean, no, it's Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. So is Denzel not part of the Funky Bunch? You review Marky Mark, I'll review Denzel. That's how we'll do it. Okay, and I will f- continue calling him Marky Mark throughout the review. <laughs> I'm sure he wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, his family now owns a chain of restaurants around the area called Wahlburgers, so game over, guys. <laughs> That's a real thing in Hingham, Massachusetts. Now I'm just going to keep thinking of him as Marky Mark Wahlburger. There are Wahlburgers to be had. <laughs> Should you ever visit. All right. Well, we would love to get your feedback on the show. You can email us at cinemafix at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at filmgeekradio.com. You can also subscribe to the show through iTunes. So if you liked this episode, please write us a review. That would really help us get the word out about the show. You can also donate to us through the website. We really appreciate your help. And don't forget to check out other great shows on Film Geek Radio, including The Thin Place, Navigating the Newsroom, our latest show all about the Showtime series Dexter, Avenging Angels, and Monica, your new show. I have a new show. Yes, look up Nerdy Projectors on Film Geek Radio, and you can hear me and my friend Michelle talk about all things geek. She just came back from San Diego Comic-Con, so I'm letting her recover before we, <laughs> we get back on that venture. Yeah, and the first episode turned out pretty good, so I can't wait yeah. to, to hear what you guys talk about next. Uh, where can people find more of your work? People can find me on Twitter and Tumblr at Movies. That's M-C-A-S-T-I Movies. They can also find my work reposted on the Boston Online Film Critics Association website at bofca.com. You can find some of my writing at filmgeekquitter.com and moviemezzanine.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at writerandrew. If you do follow me, be sure to send me a message let me know you're a listener, and I will follow you back. That'll wrap it up for this episode. I'm Andrew Johnson. I'm Monica Castillo. And have fun this week getting high on cinema, as long as you have feeling abilities. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio! Yeah!